Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Marked Safe, tales of your very favorite and most beloved man-made disasters. On Marked Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Marked Safe. I went to a cemetery. Actually, I went to like four cemeteries. I did a cemetery tour in New Orleans. Sounds like a cemetery crawl. Oh, it was so much fun. Tell me about your adventure. Let me live vicariously through you while I'm staying home puking. So my family's in town and they initially, they're of the wedding goat variety that I was talking yes. about. <laughs> Do they know they're wedding goat famous here? I think so. I think so. They were supposed to come last year. COVID hit. My father-in-law has, you know, a little bit of health issues. So we, you know, erred on the side of caution. So we haven't seen them in three years. It's the first time in like three years that we've seen them because they live in Oregon on the coast. And... um so we decided to do some touristy things. What did you do? Well, my mother-in-law was like, I want to do, let's go do a cemetery tour because she's kind of weird like me and nobody else would want to do stuff like that. So it was just <laughs> the two of us. Oh, that's fun. I got to leave the kids behind and we just spent a day in New Orleans. Like we made a pit stop at the pharmacy museum. I got postcards for the Patreons, but we did the cemetery tour and it was just, it was epic. It was absolutely epic. I just, there's so many cemeteries here and just the scale of them. I mean, it just, I can't even explain it. It's just, they go on and on forever. Tell me some cool stuff you saw. Okay. So one of the cool things that I saw was we were between two cemeteries and it was like a hill. Well, turns out it was a mass grave site because it was poor planning during the yellow fever. So they were just literally dumping like bodies. Oh my God. It was, it was really creepy. I saw the burial for the inventor of Tabasco sauce, who I also <laughs> found out stole all of the ingredients from another hot sauce maker. No shit. Yeah. I love old timey inventor tea. Oh, it was so good. So then I think you will really appreciate this. So there was this, we thought it was a church for the longest time, but it turns out it was just a tomb. And how, how do you mistake it? Cause it house? looks like a building. It looks like, like a little oh chapel. God. So we get to it and. Apparently, so it's the Starks and, or the, not the Starks, the Slarks and the Lechfords. And apparently they didn't like each other. So this person like built their tombstone that made it look like a church. And then the other one was like, well, I'm just going to bury, I'm going to get buried right next to you and I'm going to make mine bigger. (laughs) Oh my God. If we ever have a falling out, I'm here to tell you right now, I will get buried right next to you despite you. Isn't that the best, though? Yes. I think I would do the same thing. Petty beyond the grave. I fucking love it. (laughs) I fucking love it. That is, that's perfection. That's goals. What else? Oh, so like the above ground cemeteries I always thought was for like, um, like sea level. Okay. But there's like a, it's essentially they're like baking bottle, a uh, baking bottles, baking bodies inside the tombs. What? No. Yes. So like that. there's like lot, like whole families, like in these boxes that just put it together. Ooh. Yeah. I don't, I don't enjoy that. And that saying, I wouldn't touch you, I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole yeah. comes from like the pole that they use to like rake the bones and stuff. Oh, Jesus Christ. I learned so much. You did. And you sent me something that's an alligator foot. Oh. That may We don't know if it holds cell phones, cigarettes, or money. I think it's cigarettes. That wasn't at the cemetery. That I went to go well, feed yeah. some alligators. Although, I mean, I guess there you never fucking know. Yeah, we went to go feed marshmallows to the alligators. 
That makes me want to start smoking. I better wait till I'm done being pregnant. Yeah, definitely wait until you're done being pregnant. I want to get it. It's just like a purple alligator hand with like a hole where you can put stuff. Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been having all these years of smoking isn't actually cool propaganda, but I mean, that's going to set that back. Well, let's bring it back. Because it's, yeah, smoking? <laughs> I don't know if we should. <laughs> I don't really know if we should. But um, How about I some think candy if anything's cigarettes? going to. Okay, well, I don't know. Is smoking sexy? That's the debate. Yes. I'm going to go with theoretically slash only if it's occasional smoking. Like pack a day smoking is not. No. I would say if it's on TV. <laughs> no, no, because fresh cigarette smoke smells so good. I was a smoker for so long. I'm so proud of myself that I don't smoke anymore, but it does. We were walking. Uh, that was another thing uh, when we were in New Orleans. Anyways, yes, I get it on the the cigarette smoke. It does smell good. But what I was going to say is I'm walking with my mother-in-law down Bourbon Street and someone offered her a moon rock. And she's like, what's a moon rock? And we had to like Google it. Is it drugs? Yeah. Oh, my God. I think I've been there. I think it's like pressed weed or something like that. And people just offer it to you? Yeah. Wow. That doesn't happen here. <laughs> I thought they were like just trying to sell us some fine jewelry, like mood rings or something. <laughs> no nope. sweet summer child, it was drugs. <laughs> oh man! Oh, and okay. I saw the um, Hurricane Katrina Memorial. Oh yeah, that was what you were going to open this up with in the first place. <laughs> it, I cried. No, oh. it is. I've decided how I'm going to write my episode now. So I won't get your your Katrina episode. My Katrina episode. I actually Ooh. am all for doing that soon. Um, I got super inspired. It was very emotional. But the layout of it, if you were to look at it with an aerial view, the sidewalk and the bushes, everything is shaped like a hurricane. How? Oh. Like the cement is in a circle and then like oh, wow. the bushes like shoot out like the tails of the hurricane. It is stunning oh my god that's neat yeah and then they have um these tombs behind it for all of the unclaimed bodies that's so sad it is really bless it that's sad yeah and they left some open because there are still a lot of people missing apparently i which i didn't know wow like 700 oh my god yeah that's dark it's been what, 17 years now? Okay, so it was 2005, so it's been 16 years. Oh, man. Creepy stuff. Well, maybe we should move on to brackets. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm going to get sucked into that again. All right. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, no. If you say that, that doesn't... That's ominous. I don't think it's that bad. Okay. Do, should we get into the things you don't think are that bad? <laughs> Your your assessment means nothing here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Chili with cinnamon rolls. Okay. Versus the bean thing. All right. Hold on. I got to Google the bean thing. So I don't actually know anything about that. I'm not sure you're going to find much on the bean thing online. It was a Patreon request, and I, I did have a little bit of trouble looking for it, but it sounds like it's just like a bunch of beans and just like no, I need way more information than that. Beans in what format? Like, I don't know. Like just a, I mean, it's just a pile of fucking beans? Like a bucket of beans. Jesus Christ. No. I don't think it's a bucket of beans. A girl can dream, though. Why is that your dream? God, you worry <laughs> me more every week, Melanie. <laughs> okay, oh, what I is learn new bean? things about you and I get more and more concerned. See, I, a, a quick Google search didn't tell me much. I know, because it always pops up the bean thing in Chicago. Yeah. So it's bacon, ground beef, onion, brown sugar. And beans? Yeah. It's got some mustard in it, kidney beans, pork and beans, butter beans, green that beans. That sounds fucking horrendous. Green beans? Green beans. Okay, you can't just put two very unrelated foods in one dish because they both have bean in the name when they are not beans in the same spirit. You're such a hater. I 
Anne. Fuck that. That is horrendous. <laughs> I don't, I, my own personal regional associations don't do the whole, um, chili and cinnamon roll thing but i mean i like chili just fine and i like cinnamon rolls just fine i've never considered one a side dish for the other but sure why not i guess the bean thing sounds like a fucking abomination (laughs) and that's that's the final word on that (laughs) that might be the loser of the bracket if that if we can make the worst one the a thing that might be it wow i hate it that sounds horrendous i'm sorry no you're not (laughs) Who the fuck thought of that? What is wrong with this part of the country? I don't know. Ugh. I don't think you should trash talk our Patreons, though. <laughs> Did they say they liked it? Oh, they said people go wild for it. Okay. I'm sorry, but I'm going to. <laughs> That's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask for my hot takes about things if you can't take it. Ew. I want to try it. Yuck. Was it the green beans? The green beans threw you off. I mean... It was not ever going to win, but I mean, that's, that's the final straw. You can't just take anything with the word bean in it and put it in a dish. What the hell? (laughs) You know what I recently found out as a thing? What? Aloe water. Have you heard of this? Yeah, it's very good. It reminds me of like a boba tea. Is that how you call it? I mean, there's a lot of different things you can call that, but. No, aloe water is good because it's got like the floaties in it. Okay, I feel like it would be like drinking a toddler's backwash. No, it's not. Okay, well, I'm never going to test that out. I'm just going to keep judging this bad. It doesn't have the soggy crunch <laughs> like toddler water. I heard of it once for the first time in my life, and now it's everywhere I go. <laughs> I think it's really good. Of course you do. Well, now that we got that out of the way, I'm going to hear some <laughs> All my complaints about food and beverages, <laughs> yeah. which are many. You want to hear some stiff? I do. I'm really excited about your episode. I had a lot of fun doing this. I was going through some of our older emails, and uh, I wanted to revisit this one from Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. So her whole email is like jam-packed with just the best shit. We always get the best suggestions. But her, she put like a last little blurb on there. And she was like, I don't know if this is really disaster, which I would argue that it is. And it sent me down a rabbit hole. And so I picked that one and decided to do a compilation for her. We are going to do lighthouse incidents. I am here to tell you, I am so in the mood for a compilation. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice. It just kind of speeds through, you know. Yeah, sometimes a compilation can be very relaxing to listen to. Well, don't get too relaxed. The shit is pretty terrible. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of a given. Yeah. (laughs) We're a disaster podcast. Yeah. All right, you ready? I'm ready. All right. I was born ready for this. (laughs) (laughs) Lit for the first time in September 14th, 1716. Boston Light was the first lighthouse in America. The original structure was built from wood on Little Brewster Island in the Boston Harbor at the cost of 2,385 pounds, adjusted for inflation, just over a half a million pounds. You can't have a lighthouse without a lightkeeper, and Farmer George Worthy Lake would cement his place in the history books as its first. Securing an annual salary of 50 pounds, which only... 10,500 pounds after inflation, George would continue farming to help supplement his income because that ain't shit. (laughs) But after a year into light keeping duties, George wanted a raise and with great reason. One day during a severe storm, George's priority was obviously focused on the lighthouse, which ultimately left his sheep without a shepherd. And not to victim blame, the sheep here but those <laughs> dum-dums went and got themselves drowned all oh my God. 59 sheep why are sheep so dumb so dumb and i did look this up apparently they're not dumb they just have a really bad reputation but i would argue that they are if 59 sheep just randomly you know drown right? i mean is that a thing like do sheep 
commonly just drown at the first opportunity? I mean, they got... They couldn't find a way out? Like, climb higher. <laughs> what are you doing? Right? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely victim blaming the sheep. Mm, well. I'm not taking a position on that, but, you know, just so you know. Well, it's not like they're around anymore. Damn. <laughs> Damn, I'm so glad you could finally get a shitty reputation concerning some kind of animal. I did pick the cutest, huh? Yes. All right. You don't care if they fucking live or die. Well, hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I need, You know what? I'm going to bring a notebook with me the next time we do this, and I'm going to keep a list of interesting things I've learned about you. What are sheep good for, though? Oh, I guess wool, yeah. huh? Being adorable. And counting when you have to go to bed. Oh, Melanie, you're so silly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so all of George's sheep they died and that went his side gig so his lighthouse salary was far from a livable wage and uh but now he got his raise and it was bumped up to 70 pounds which was 14,700 pounds adjusted after inflation still not a Mm. lot of money no um so business as usual on November 3rd, 1718, George, his wife Anne, one of his two daughters, 15-year-old Ruth, and their servant, George Cutler, took a boat from the lighthouse to Boston to attend church Sunday, run some errands, and pick up George's paycheck. Which, I don't know how, like, does the servant come with the lighthouse? Like, how is he? Possibly. I, I, I mean, feel like that could definitely be a thing. It would have to with... yeah. A salary like that. I don't know. Yeah. They stayed the night and were set to return to Boston like the next morning. On the way back, a family friend named John Edge joined them on the boat ride back. They enjoyed some snacks and some drinks. It was a bit of an old-timey booze cruise. When they were just off Brewster's Island, they anchored, and because even lighthouses apparently had slavery, a man named Shadwell paddled out a canoe to bring the family and the friend back the rest of the way. Waiting on the shores of the lighthouse, George's other daughter, who shared her mother's name, Anne, and Shadwell's wife, Dina, watched as the choppy waters consumed the canoe, the water swallowing everyone in the capsized boat. The family, along with Shadwell, George Cutler, and their family friend, John, drowned in the stormy seas outside of Boston Harbor. Oh, man. All the bodies were recovered, except for the servant, George Cutler. While efforts were being made to replace the deceased lightkeeper, a man named Robert Saunders took over the lighthouse duties in the interim. But two weeks later, he and another man named Braddock, they also drowned. Oh no, it's a cursed lighthouse. The news of the Worthy Lake accident spread through Boston, and a 12-year-old horrible ghoul decided to (laughs) exploit the tragedy. And he had the means to do so. His big brother, James, worked at a newspaper, and the boy had scored an apprenticeship. The boy, a young Benjamin Franklin, said, quote, My brother, thinking it might turn to account, encouraged me and put me on composing two occasional ballads. One was called The Lighthouse Tragedy and contained an account of the drowning of Captain Worthy Lake. They were wretched stuff, the Grub Street ballad style. And when they were printed, he sent me about the town to sell them. The first sold wonderfully, the event being recent, having me great noise. This flattered my vanity. But my father discouraged me by ridiculing my performance and telling me verse makers were generally beggars. So I escaped being a poet, most probably a very bad one. God. Right? Isn't that weird? Yeah, that's sad. Benjamin Franklin. Wow. Naturally, when it resurfaced that a young Benjamin Franklin had written something you'd find in a rag mag, people wanted to read that shit, but no one could seem to find a copy. Then, in 1940, Maurice Babcock Jr., what a name, stumbled (laughs) on an abandoned house on Brewster's Island. Rummaging through the items inside, he found a yellow piece of paper with a poem on it. The poem retold the lighthouse tragedy, ending with, quote, Quick the prow is upward born, George and Anne's arm is thrown. Husband, wife, and child together to the chilly waves have gone. 
Frenzy's clasp of wife and daughter bears a sturdy swimmer down, save the boat upon the water. Nothing of their fate is known. That lighthouse is cursed as fuck. Right? Mm-hmm. There's no telling if this is actually like the only surviving copy of Benjamin Franklin's ballad. The jury's still out. Some believe it 100%, but it was never authenticated. Authenticated! Yay! Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) If you're interested in old-ass cemeteries like me... You can find the Worthy Lakes triple headstone complete with winged skulls and a winged soul effigy in Boston's Copps Hill Burying Ground. It's Boston's second oldest cemetery. Wow. Ready for the next one? Yeah. How many do we get? Four. Okay. This is number two. Number two. One of the things I found super interesting during my research um, was that because this lifestyle is so isolating the lightkeeper community they really stick together quote it was not unusual for lighthouse families to intermarry children raised at lighthouses often grew up feeling ill at ease with anyone who had not experienced their lifestyle hence beacon brats were usually (laughs) ideal matches in matrimony i thought that was adorable And this was a case for Hall, Knott, and Darling Lighthouse Keeper families. Of them, Henry Hall dedicated his entire life to lightkeeping. And this is not an understatement. At 94 years old, Henry was still pulling solo shifts at the Eddie Stone Lighthouse. He was what could possibly go wrong? Right. He was the oldest known member of the Hall family lightkeepers. I don't know. Putting a little man in charge of a lighthouse, like, yeah, it really made my eye twitch for a minute. But, like, <laughs> the more I sat with this, I'm shocked that somebody in 1755 with a job as high stress as living in a lighthouse lived to be so fucking old. I mean, that's like 400 years old in 1700s years. I looked this up. The life expectancy then was 38. Shut the... No. Henry was a fucking vampire. Like, prove me wrong. Oh, my God. He lived to be 94. (laughs) Like, Henry can do whatever the fuck he wants, right? Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, The (laughs) Eddie... It's so weird to me. The Eddie Stone Lighthouse is located nine miles south of Cornwall, England. It sits on the Eddie Stone Rocks, a reef, and a notoriously dangerous entrance of the English Channel. The lighthouse, over time, has been rebuilt four times due to various disasters. Henry was the lightkeeper for the second rebuild. Also known as Rudyard's Lighthouse, Rudyard's was a smooth conical tower shaped as to offer the least possible resistance to wind and wave. The light was provided by 24 candles inside an octagonal lantern. On the evening of December 2nd, 1755, the lantern caught fire. It was believed that it was caused by either a rogue spark from one of the candles or through a fracture in the chimney, which passed through the lantern from the stove in the kitchen below. Henry quickly began tossing buckets of water upwards to extinguish the fire. Like he's just like, cause it's above him. He's just like trying to toss the water Ugh. up. Yeah. As it spread, two more light keepers on duty joined Henry in putting out the fire. The blaze was so hot that molten lead from the lantern roof rained down on Henry. Oh, no. And with his mouth open, the lead slid down his throat. No. Henry screamed, my God, I'm on fire inside. (gasps) How do you know who was there? Who heard? Every, the other two guys heard. Okay, yeah, I guess there are other people there. Okay, fuck. Okay, hold on real quick. Okay, real quick. Do you think lightkeepers are automatically haunted? Yes. I think they might be. I think it takes a... Haunted individual. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you're okay. out there, like, away from everything. For yeah, very, like very just... long periods of time. Yeah. That's just like one of those jobs where... I mean, you get it, and your fucking haunting kit just comes in the mail because you were haunted. 
just done. Doesn't matter whatever happens to you on the job, whatever doesn't happen to you, you are a ghostly human now. You're a four lifer. Yeah. I believe it. Okay. Okay. So let's get back to this because this is fucking awful. Okay. So yeah. Molten lead sliding down his throat. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Despite this, Henry continued to fight the fire with the other two keepers, but it was too far gone. They evacuated to the rocks outside and stared helplessly at the inferno. And they weren't the only ones to witness the destruction. Even nine miles out, the fire could be seen from the shore. One, Mr. Edwards, sent a boat out to rescue the light keepers. At 10 a.m. the next morning, the boat finally arrived, tossing out lines and pulling the charred men through the rough seas into the vessel. Like they couldn't even. He's still alive? He's still alive. He really is a vampire. (laughs) I told you. I, I will die on this hill. Yeah. No, I'll die with you. But Henry, he was in bad shape, obviously. Yeah. He went home, but two days after the fire started, they called for a doctor, and Dr. Spry was brought in to help Henry. Dr. Spry? Dr. Spry. S-P-R-Y. Oh, my God. What a name for a doctor. (laughs) I thought so, too. Dr. Spry. You were just going to slide right by that with no comment. (laughs) Just waiting for you. Like, that is, like, from a children's book. Mm -hmm. This is the perfect children's story. Is it, though? No, it's not. <laughs> being a dick. Because there's molten lead sliding down a man's throat. Well, Dr. Spry, he found Henry in bed, very badly burnt. Quote, he said likewise, as well as he could, with a hoarse voice, scarce to be heard, that melted lead had run down his throat into his body. I then inspected his throat, the root of his tongue, and the parts contiguous as the, is it uvula? What's the little ball hanging thing? In my head, it's uvula. Uvula, probably. But, I mean, there's... I'm not the fucking uvula expert. I don't know. It just sounds, like, dirty to me. Either way you you. say it. (laughs) That's just you problem. Well, the ball hanging thing and the tonsils. (laughs) Okay, well, now it does. (laughs) And they were greatly scorched by the melted lead. So, for 12 days, Henry went from bad to worse and ultimately he did die from his injuries no so i mean my god at that point something's got to take you Mm -hmm. so during an autopsy dr spry examined the contents of henry's stomach he pulled out a rather large piece of now cool lead weighing (gasps) exactly seven ounces For comparison, it's the same weight as an adult hamster or a little heavier than a billiard ball. Oh, Jesus Christ. But if you don't want to take my word for it, you can actually see it for yourself if you visit the National Museum of Scotland. Oh, my God. Have it on display. Can you imagine like just lead just going down into your tummy and cooling off into like a little, little brick of lead? And you keep living for a while. 12 days. Jesus Christ. In 1755. Uh, holy shit. That man, he's he's up there in the Iman McIntyre halls, I think. Yeah, he might pass it. <laughs> 12 days. Yeah. I mean, yeah. old guy just swallowed lead and kept fighting the fire. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely in the same, hanging on the same wall. He, You're right, he may surpass it. I don't know. I hold him on McIntyre in very high esteem. Me too. He's OG. He is OG. All right. Here's our next one. So our next story takes place at the Smalls Lighthouse. The original Smalls Lighthouse was built in 1776 on a cluster of rocks 20 miles from the coast of Pembrokeshire, Wales. And the light was provided by eight oil lamps placed in glass faceted reflectors. From the beginning, Small's Lighthouse was operated by two lightkeepers. So imagine, if you will, living in complete isolation for months on end with just one other person. Now I want you to imagine doing so with someone you just didn't get along with. Oh, okay. Because I was imagining it was you and I was fine with this. No, imagine you hated me. I mean, you want to start talking about Captain Nash again? Imagine 
being stuck in a lighthouse with me watching 911 <laughs> eating Vienna sausages. Oh, no. No. Okay. No, I do hate you now. This is awful. Mm-hmm. Okay. They share a name, but that was about it with Thomas Griffith and Thomas Howe. The pair were, quote, publicly known to quarrel, but in 1801, the two were sent to tend to the Smalls Lighthouse to work together. I usually like to go by first names, but to keep it clean, I'm just going to go by their last names on this. Yeah. Early into Griffith and Howe's stay at the lighthouse, storms pummeled the area, but that wasn't even the worst of it. Straight away, Griffith started complaining about not feeling well. Probably all the Vienna sausages. Mm -hmm. Howe, I imagine begrudgingly, tried to help his workmate, but Griffith's health just continued to deteriorate. After a couple of days, Hal did the only thing he could do. He put out a distress signal. But the storms were so bad that even though passing ships reported the distress signal at the ports, not a single attempt to reach Small's Lighthouse was successful. Weeks went by. Oh, man. On land, the lightkeeper's family stared helplessly at the dim light, not knowing their loved one's fate. Inside the lighthouse, things went from bad to worse. And Griffith died from whatever mysterious illness was afflicting him. And that is how Hal found himself sharing a tiny lighthouse apartment with a decomposing body of his enemy. Oh, my God. His disdain for his co-worker had left Hal in quite a pickle. He couldn't just let the sweet seas consume the dead. He hated this man, and he knew for sure that people would accuse him of murder. Mm. Disposing of Griffith's body would be a death sentence for Hal. So, for several weeks, Hal oh reluctantly lived with a rotting corpse. How fucking long did the storm last? Until he could no longer handle it. A long time. Before he took on the duties of lightkeeper, Hal was a cooper, making things like casks and barrels. No. He used these No, I don't like where this is going. He used these skills to build a coffin, dismantling the apartment's bulkhead to use the boards for the project. Don't worry, he didn't dismantle the body. Yeah, that's that's for sure where I thought that was going. Lugging the body of Griffith into the coffin, he hauled it to the outside lighthouse platform, fastening it to the rails. For four months after the distress signal was first lit, and after many attempts made, no one could get to the lighthouse. I'm calling bullshit on that. It's been four months. Ships, I don't think they wanted to get there that bad. Ships passing by could see a man faintly in the distance, waving. But it wasn't how. The storms had battered and beaten the coffin apart, and Griffith's lifeless limbs flapped in the wind. Hal witnessing the horrific greetings every time he dared to look out the window. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Is this a true story? Yep. Because this is some spooky shit. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Can you fucking imagine just sitting, like, living with a rotting corpse, and then you're like, okay, I got to do something. And then this guy, this dead guy is just waving at you. He cannot, the, the living guy cannot be in a fucking good place mentally at this point. No, no. I mean, he still worked, though. For the rest of the winter, Hal tended to the light solo, never letting it go out. Finally, the storms gave way and a boat was able to make it to Small's lighthouse and the gruesome scene was soon discovered. The whole ordeal, as imagined, broke Hal. Yeah. His family and friends barely recognizing him when he returned to shore. The British authorities agreed that no person should ever go through a traumatic event of this nature again. And three men teams were now mandatory in tending lighthouses. This, oh, that's oh, mm-hmm. yeah. this continued until the automation of British lighthouses in the 1980s. So they made it a law that there always yeah. had to be three men. Wow, that makes me. I mean, I don't know why that makes me think of that guy in the um, saturation diving episode, and it was the two guys that were down there, and he had to come up with the corpse alone. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. That's my favorite one so far. All right. Last one. I mean, one. it's horrifying, but okay. <laughs> this one's actually, this was Lauren's suggestion. So okay. it takes place December of the year 1900 at Flannan Isles Lighthouse at Eileen Moore off the west coast of Scotland. The lighthouse had been operational for a year at this point. 
The lighthouse grounds were equipped with a steam engine that powered a cable car on tracks to help haul supplies and paraffin for the lighthouse up steep embankments on the island. So it's really neat. It's a little train tracks, sort of, like around it. On December 15th, a vessel passing by the lighthouse noted something strange. Despite the poor weather conditions, it was not lit. When it docked three days later, the ship reported the non-operational lighthouse to the Northern Lighthouse Board. The three lightkeepers on duty at the time were Thomas Marshall, James Ducat, and Donald MacArthur. The trio were expecting a relief boat with supplies and a crew change on the 20th, but the waters were rough, so it was delayed. Finally, on December 26, the Hesperus, captained by James Harvey, made its way to the island with a lightkeeper replacement, Joseph Moore. But something didn't seem right. Typically, they would be greeted by someone. But there wasn't a soul in sight, and there was no lighthouse flag flown. Captain James blared his horn. Still nothing. He then fired a flare. Again, nothing. When he couldn't yield a response, he sent Joseph to row to the lighthouse to investigate. On the long walk to the lighthouse, Joseph, quote, suffered an overwhelming sense of foreboding. Oh, man. He continued his trek through the unlocked front gate, calling to the men, but only the sounds of nature answered back. At the lighthouse, he entered through the door. I have an overwhelming feeling of foreboding. (laughs) (laughs) At the lighthouse, he entered through the door also unlocked. Typically, three oilskin coats hung on pegs in the hall of the main entrance, but two were missing. As we know, by law, one man must always stay in the lighthouse, but they have three working. So if two had left, where was the third keeper? It would be much too cold for this guy just to go outside without a coat. I mean, it's in the middle of winter. It's icy. In the kitchen, the table was set. The plates were full of meat, potatoes, and pickles. An overturned chair on the floor gave the impression that someone had left in a hurry. On the wall, the clock had stopped. The beds were unmade, and the lighthouse was empty. Joseph returned to Hesperus, but the captain insisted on a second search, so he sent him back with the second mate and a seaman. Seaman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love you. On the second round, the men noticed the lamps had been cleaned and refilled, but the keepers were nowhere to be found. What? Mm -hmm. Captain James Harvey ordered the men to stay behind at the lighthouse. It could not be left empty. To do so could be catastrophic for mariners. He then sent out the following telegram. Quote, a dreadful accident has happened at Flannan's. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the occasional, have disappeared from the island. I think it's really funny that they just call this dude the occasional, like not his name. It's a little rude. It's so rude. (laughs) On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. Fired a rocket, but as no response was managed to land more, who went up to the station but found no keepers there. The clocks were stopped and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellas, they must have been blown over the cliffs. Or drown trying to secure a crane or something like that. I feel like I've heard this story. This whole time you've been telling me all this stuff, I keep trying to remember this spooky lighthouse story that I heard a long time ago or, or fell on some rabbit hole and I cannot remember where. And it's been like itching at the back of my brain. And I think this might be This it. might be it. Okay. It's a pretty popular lighthouse story. Okay. Night coming on. We could not wait to make something as of their fate. I have left more. McDonald, Bowie Master, again, they just call this guy Bowie Master, <laughs> and two seamen on the island to keep the light burning until you make God, other so immature. <laughs> so we're little boys. It's ridiculous. Will not return to Oban until I hear from you. I have repeated the wire to Muirhead <laughs> in case you are not home. <laughs> I will remain at the telegraph office tonight until it closes, if you wish to wire me. Back at the lighthouse, the men continued their search of the island. On the east side, everything appeared to be normal. But on the west, there was cause for concern. Quote, a box at 108 feet above sea level had been broken and its contents strewn about. Iron railings were bent over. The iron railway 
by the path was wrenched out of its concrete. This totally is it, I think. And a rock weighing more than a ton had been displaced. On top of the cliff, at more than 200 feet above sea level, turf had been ripped away as far as 33 feet from the cliff's edge. How? No storms were reported during the time the men were tending the lighthouse. Sure, the waters were choppy, delaying their relief, but the weather was actually quite calm for the winter season. Three days later, Northern Lighthouse Board arrived to the island to investigate. NLB Superintendent Robert Muirhead, the one who was cc'd in the telegram, said that the damage in the West area was, quote, difficult to believe unless actually seen. His conclusion read, quote, from evidence which I was able to procure, I was satisfied that the men had been up on duty up until dinner time on Saturday, the 15th of December, that they had gone down to secure a box, which the mooring ropes, landing ropes, etc. were kept, and which was secured in a crevice in the rock about 110 feet above sea level, and that an extra large sea had rushed up the face of the rock and had gone above them, and coming down with immense force had swept them completely away. So essentially, like, he just thinks that it's like this rogue wave that came. Yeah. But the damage is like yeah, bananas for something like that. Nobody like fucking knows what happened here. The bodies still to this day have never been recovered. What year was this? This was 1900. Okay. Over time, the story of the mysterious disappearance of the three lightkeepers took a life of its own. At one point, tales of troublesome law book entries spread like wildfire. The entries read... December 12th, gale, north by northwest, sea lashed to fury, stormbound, 9 p.m. Never seen such a storm, everything ship-shape, Ducat, irritable. 12 p.m., storm still raging, wind steady, stormbound, cannot go out, ship passed sounding foghorn, could see lights of cabins, Ducat quiet, MacArthur crying. Oh, man. December 13th, storm continued through the night, wind shifted west by north, Ducat quiet, MacArthur praying. 12 noon, gray daylight, me, Ducat, MacArthur prayed. December 15th, 1 p.m., storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. So. That's so chilling. It's so chilling. And this is just one of those things that has been, when the story has been told, this comes up. This is a huge part of this yeah. story. It doesn't exist. Really? Yes. So a researcher like completely debunked the whole logbook thing. Like oh, it wow. just, that's fake. Sorry to ruin everybody's thing. <laughs> I liked it though. <laughs> I loved it too. I mean, it is human nature to, like, actually just embellish everything, you know? Yes. And oh, yeah. It's a great story on its own. Why not sensationalize it? Yeah. I mean, it was like these guys just, I mean, they literally just disappeared in the thin air. God, that's so spooky. Is- I can't tell you how relieved I am because this whole episode, I'm like, I know of some story and I knew she was doing lighthouses. And I'm such an idiot for not tracking down what the story was and saying, you need to make sure you cover this. And here it is. Other theories about their disappearance include pirates capturing them, mm-hmm. um, alien abduction. I think that's the context I heard about this in. Mm-hmm. Being picked apart and eaten by a hundred seabirds. But, okay. I like that one. It's pretty a hundred specifically? Uh, it's just as hundreds of seabirds. Okay. A giant sea serpent, like Loch Ness. I, yeah, I'm into that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite, you know, those damn fairies who are always up to no good. A <laughs> hundred seabirds are fairies. Yeah. They're kind of the wow. same thing, right? Yeah. So Yeah. What are fairies if not seabirds? Mm-hmm. And that is your lighthouse compilation. I loved it. That was exactly, it's so fun when it's not your week. <laughs> I don't mean that it's not fun when it is your week, but well, like when it's not your week, you're just a listener. Like you're really just turning a podcast on. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like, if this was on my list of, you know, new episodes of different podcasts I listen to, like this would have been top of the list to listen to because this is exactly what I want right now. Fairies, vampires, belly lid. Seabirds. 
rotting Hell corpse, yeah. waving. Jesus, this has it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were the those were the biggest ones that I found. But I mean, I mean, what? Like you said, they're all haunted. Yeah, every single- every sea keeper, every every lightkeeper automatically. I guess it's like a big thing. Like most lighthouses, they're not government owned anymore. It's like citizens, you know, buying them up and moving in, and then realizing oh, it's actually terrible to live in them. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're haunted. And now you're haunted. So, no, I had fun with wow. this one. It was it was a lot of fun. I had fun listening to this one. Ready for some disaster relief? Oh, yeah. This is like part two disaster relief. It is part two disaster relief, but it's a good follow up. Mm-hmm. This week it is. Psych meds. Psych meds! Exclamation mark. <laughs> We're leveling out. Mark. We're leveling out. I feel good. It's helping. It is helping. It's not done helping. I think yours needs probably a little more time to finish helping. And I think. No, um, I'm good. I'm just going to jump right off of them. Kidding. Kidding. God, Melanie. Kidding. <laughs> and I think that when um, I'm done being pregnant, I might want to raise my dose a little bit. But I think that it is um, a level that I can cruise through this pregnancy. <laughs> I'm starting to feel a little bit normal. I was really worried when I first started my medication that. Um, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. I've never done anything like this. And I'm like, this is terrible. I hate this. <laughs> Maybe I should stick it out. She said it takes a little while. And uh, yeah. I had a weird experience with my very first antidepressant where I took it and then like a day or two into it, I had this weirdest, I can't even explain this, this weirdest feeling of wanting to like hide, like wanting to go under a blanket and be away it was very strange very like lizard brain um thankfully that only lasted a day but jesus christ it was weird yeah i i think the only thing that's kind of lingering that i absolutely hate is i'm sweating all the time is it hot there no i mean it's definitely the meds yeah it's just i just i guess i sweat now it's my thing (laughs) well i mean do you have you know sort of a dewy sexy glaze no not at I all. I bet you do. Send me a picture. I'll be the judge of that. And I'm going through, I'm, my postpartum hair loss has kicked in. So I. Oh, fun. You're sweaty and bald. I'm sweaty and bald. <laughs> a little sleaze ball. <laughs> you always have been. But now the outside matches the inside. I am a happy sleaze ball, though. Oh, thank God. And that's really all that matters. Like, thank God. I'll lose my hair, I'll gain some weight. I don't care. As long as I feel good. And you're a happy little sleazeball. Yeah. I couldn't be happier for you. I think I like my meds more than Vienna sausages. Throwing that out there. I mean, it's a fucking low bar to clear. It's a big bar for me. (laughs) (laughs) You're so gross. (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with you? We have Patreons. Yay. First, we have, I love how this worked out. It's so even today. Okay. I love when it's even. I love a nice even week. So first, we had two people up their subscription from five to ten to the top tier. So I want to give them a second shout out because I think that's really sweet. And I just want you to know I noticed. So Beth, Anna and Carrie Mockler, thank you for upgrading. It helps a lot. Um, And you guys can be buddies. Yeah. Because I think you guys started before we did the buddy system. The buddy system. (laughs) Go donate blood together. Yes. Um, our next one is Jess Era, A-R-R-A, Jess Era. That's pretty. It's really beautiful. Um, and your buddy is Taylor. But I love the spelling. It's T-A-Y and then Lore, like L-O-R-E, Taylor. Oh, oh, that's neat. Mm-hmm. See, these pairings, I have to tell you, by the way, I don't know if I talked about this. Did I talk about the twin thing last time? I don't remember. I'm sorry. I'm okay. a shitty friend. No, you're fine. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, yeah, I mean, God knows I talked to you about it. I had my first ultrasound and they were like, yeah, we're 80% sure it's one. And they called me the next day and they were like, mm, we looked at that again and we're not so sure. So we're going to schedule another ultrasound in three weeks. Sleep on it, I guess. <laughs> um, and I had that ultrasound today and I'm happy to report there is one baby in there. <laughs> And it is doing great, but there is one. But I have to tell you, these name pairings just make me want to name twins. I know, right? 
Uh, Your little okay. baby ultrasound was the freaking cutest. Oh, it's getting cute now. Mm-hmm. All right. So our next buddies are Marissa Slattery and Hannah Wills. Marissa and nice. Hannah. Marissa and Hannah. I love it. Go donate blood together. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, I can't wait till someone actually does donate blood, whether it's alone or with someone. Yeah. Um, we have people that are looking for their buddies. So that are very interested in connecting with their friends. We've had messages on Patreon. We've had message. I think there's a thread on horrible ghouls. If you can't find your buddy, just get a new buddy. <laughs> wow. Just fuck your original buddy. <laughs> I mean, no. Oh, that would be romantic. Fucking your buddy. Okay, no, this is this isn't Tinder. This isn't Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, don't give up on your original buddy. No, because they may not be in the group. A lot of people are in the group. The group is pretty small, and I love it so much. Yeah, I love it a lot, too. I'm always talking about this. Like, it does not benefit us in any way, shape, or form, (laughs) other than the fact that I want to talk to people. It's cozy, right? Yeah, I feel like the um, anything that we plug as often as I plug the group, you would think it would be monetized somehow. No, no, we just like you guys. Yeah, we like hanging out. We like sharing stuff. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's a cool place. You should go. I just posted my marshmallow video on there. You're so cute. Those alligators are so silly. <laughs> yeah. So again, you should go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it is getting late, so I'm gonna go to bed. Yep. 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 In one minute, it'll be a new day here. I'm gonna go count some fucking sheep. <sighs> and I almost said slut shame them while you're doing it. <laughs> Victim, victim blame <laughs> but i bet you'll slut shame them too A little cotton balls <laughs> is that sheep slut shaming <laughs> maybe you need to work on that <laughs> uh, man i'm not good at my what are they called cut downs i don't think they're called that maybe they are i don't know <laughs> uh, it might be a 90s term is it cut down i'm sure some old person will know <laughs> mom is it cut downs <laughs> i wonder if there's like Yo mama sheep jokes. I'm sure you're going to make some. I'll get back to you next week on those. Okay. I'll try to write some. All right. Okay. Thanks. Sweet dreams. She's really keeping the people in suspense. <laughs> Sweet dreams or no dreams. Sweet dreams or no dreams. Hey, horrible ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal Mark Safe moment, you can send it to us at marksafepodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your buddies about us, too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our Mark Safe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.